This week, how to handle time management and to be more effective and efficient. Your questions, our answers. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 125. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and productivity. And we are tackling productivity today in a big way. And you've heard the last couple of weeks that this is going to be an episode all Q&A on time management so we can all be more effective at managing our time and resources. And back with me here in the studio is Bonnie. Hello, Bonnie. Hello. It's actually kind of a potpourri episode because most of the questions are about time management, but there are a couple other people who asked a little bit broader, different topic questions. So it's going to be kind of fun to see what comes up. Yeah. And we said, you know, what the heck, let's bring in all the questions because we've got more questions. So there we go. And thanks to everyone in advance, by the way, who did forward a question. If you would like to submit a question for a future episode, you can do so at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. So keep that in mind as you're listening and you can get your question in because we will do another question and answer episode very soon. So let's go ahead and jump right into the first question is from audio from Jermaine. I just currently started a leadership post in Newark, New Jersey as a principal. I was a vice principal, so I have administrative experience. However, it's been a big change. It started me pretty late. Um, I started in September. And as you know, most leadership positions like schools, you should probably be planning over the summertime and getting your team together, so on and so forth. But they were a little delayed with it. But me wanting to be up to the challenge, I accepted. And now here I am. Thing is, there's a lot of change going on in school reform happening in the district. And I just learned that my school might is slated to be closed. I didn't have any uh, hint or indicator that this was going to happen. However, this is where I am now. So, you know, the option they gave me was, well, you could develop a school or start your own school with your team. However, I've never, I haven't been there long enough to actually build a team. I'm still getting to know the people at my school. So in the midst of all this change, I'm wondering what steps I need to take, what precautions I need to take to one, either remain in the district and move forward with whatever direction they're headed, or do I need to bail and just try to find a different district to work in? Um, and what do you do under these circumstances in order to remain, you know, positive, upbeat, and still achieve some semblance of success moving forward, knowing that your school is going to be closed and you will be looking for employment possibly for the next school year. So I said an awful lot and hopefully this came through clearly and maybe you could do a podcast or respond to support or rather uh, uh, to address this. Um, I listen to these podcasts faithfully. So, you know, I figured let me reach out to a respected source. So that's pretty much it. Thanks. Dave and I wanted to start just by telling you what a profoundly difficult circumstance you find yourself in. And For I, sure. I can only imagine the stress of that as, just as a personal, if you just think about just yourself, let alone the responsibility that you clearly feel for the people that you are leading. I mean, what a challenging time. So I, neither Dave or I, we kind of felt like this is such an important question that you've asked us. And we do feel honored that you would ask. And there's so much 
here to kind of unpack. We just have a few thoughts, but to just to let you know we're thinking about you and just what a challenging time that would be. The first thing when I heard your story that I thought of was a former colleague of mine recorded a podcast with Dave some time ago about leading in crisis. And it was a president of the university where I work who came in and really was also dealt a set of cards that none of us would want to be dealt in our careers. And so as I was listening to you, I was thinking about how important it might be for you to be connected with other people who have been through a similar crisis like that. So as I certainly don't want it to come as an offhanded advice, but I'd say the first thing, if you have not listened to episode 55, leading in time of crisis, that would be the number one on your playlist if I were to give you some advice just so you could hear the stories and and just kind of draw from someone else who's been through not the same experience, but something similar. So I just wanted to start with those two things, a resource where the entire episode is dedicated to some similar challenges to what you're describing. And then also for Dave and I to just say, Wow, we are sorry to, that you find yourself here. And we have a few words of advice, but but nothing will, will at all be comprehensive enough for what you're going through. Yeah, and Jermaine, of course, you'll have to make some decisions going forward of how you'll proceed with your career and what that will mean for you. Um, in the short term, I think one of the things that both Bonnie and I are big believers in is to be real with people. I mean, you are in the process as a leader of handling a situation now where there's going to be bad news coming at you and bad news that you'll have to um, you know, facilitate to get news out to others. So one of the things that I think gets a lot of people in trouble is that there is bad news and they try to minimize it or cover up the bad news in order to protect people. And one of the best things you can do is just be real and authentic with people. If there is bad news, if people are going to lose their jobs, if, if the school is going to be closed, to just be real with people and be genuine about that. And then I guess the other thing that I would suggest here is um, find something short-term to work for and have at least some short-term vision. So let's say, for example, worst-case scenario, Jermaine, the school does close. That decision is made. And I'm I'm assuming that you don't necessarily have control over that decision, by the way. that That's probably a decision that's made by a whole lot of people. And so if that decision is made, then I, one of the things that I would think if I was a leader in that situation... I'd want to do whatever I could to set a vision that people would rally around something in the short term. Like, hey, if this school is going to close, let's do the best job we can in the time we have left of serving these kids, of taking care of these parents, of helping them to find their new homes, their new schools, that when people, when our work is done and the, and the school doors are closed, that people would say, that principal cared, that principal loved students, that principal loved parents and went out of the way to make sure that everyone was cared for and treated well in a very, very difficult situation, and that 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 the staff would have that same feeling too. And so that's something I, I would hope for for you. And then, of course, this is going to be a difficult time for you either way, so I would find other things that will bring you up. Uh, work is not going to be a, a place where you'll get a lot of positive energy probably in the near future, just realistically. So I would find other places in your life where you will get that kind of encouragement and reinforcement from others, whether that's in a, um, whether that's in a, another organization or volunteer work or spiritual community or whatever is going to be helpful to you or to find people in your life who are going to bring you up because as a leader, you, you will, you're going to take a lot of heat for a lot of reasons in the next, in the coming months. If in fact it is going to be a situation like this. I think the only other thing I'd mentioned, Jermaine is none of us ever feel prepared, uh, in these situations, you know, um, 
you meant you made mention to I've never put together a team before and if I did put together a new school how would I do that and um, almost every leadership situation I've been in I was not fully prepared for and so just like you uh, had the courage to do what you're doing now um, I wouldn't necessarily have that I'm not saying that's a reason to do it by the way but I wouldn't necessarily have that be the reason you stopped doing it and and uh, hey we'd love to keep in touch with you and, and find out what's uh, going on so keep us in the loop and let us know what happens our, our next question is from Sue and this question actually came in on the uh, coaching for leaders blog Bonnie and so um, Sue had commented on one of the articles she's that I'd written recently and she says I'm a new manager and the youngest of my department's management team I believe in the power of perseverance, and I try to use mistakes as coaching opportunities. Unfortunately, in my organization, it's so rare to meet with an employee other than for their monthly review that every time I try to do any coaching, their reaction is, well, what did I do this time? How can I provide encouragement through obstacles? Well, I have a few thoughts on this, Bonnie. Do you want me to take this one first? Or? Okay, so here's here's a few thoughts. Is Sue, I, I guess what I would say is be you be a good finder, and you mentioned that you know this isn't something that's happening in your organization regularly. And a lot of times, you know, the time's only made to give people feedback during the formal sessions. And it, this actually reminds me of something that I did in my first management role, um, full time role. Sue is that I would, um, I would go out and I would make time during my workday and maybe it was five or 10 minutes once or twice a week. And I would go out and I would talk to people in other places of the organization and other places of the center that I was working in. And I would make a point just to find good things that people were doing. And I would I would observe for a little bit and I would go and talk to them and I would just talk with them about the things that I noticed that they did, something they did really well. And then that would be it. That would be the end of the conversation. And people would sometimes be really surprised. They would kind of be stunned. Like, wait, that that's it? You're not going to say anything negative to? It's not like this, this other shoe's going to drop? And I said, no, just that's it. I just wanted to notice you were... I just wanted to point out that you're doing something really effectively. And after I did that for a while, what I found is that people um, people's trust level went up. And when I did need to coach on something or I did need to give some constructive feedback, people were a lot more willing to take that feedback or to accept that coaching because they knew that I was invested in them and I cared and I was looking for the things that they were doing well. And I tried really hard to keep that to a, a kind of a 75-25 ratio, like 75% of my time I was going out, being intentional, finding good things people were doing, and 25% of the time, you know, doing the coaching, the improvement piece of it. And so my challenge to you would be, even if you don't have a lot of time, you could probably find 10 or 15 minutes, even if it was just once a month, where you went around and picked one person and found something good they were doing and took the time to recognize that just one-on-one -on -one. and then do it a couple of weeks later again. And, uh, you know, people are going to wonder what you're doing at first, but if you do it consistently, it will be the kind of thing that can really engage uh, with your employees. And it's not just a conversation about what people are doing wrong. One of the things when I'm reading any of the messages that come in from the listeners, I always laugh because I'm sure so much gets misinterpreted. I mean, there's such big, important questions that you're asking, and I do feel this sense of responsibility. And on yours, Sue, one of the things I was wondering is, because the way that you said, I see mistakes as coaching opportunities, I, it made me kind of had, you know, I wanted to ask you 10 questions before we even record this episode, because I wondered, first of all, mistakes as coaching opportunities, I... 
I don't know anyone, and I've known some tremendously talented people who love making mistakes. I just never, I've never met anyone who's like, right on, <laughs> mistake, please come tell me how I did something wrong. <laughs> it's such an opportunity for me. I think people can grow past the apprehension to hear about their mistakes and recognize the benefits that come from it. But I've just not found that to be the raw human first reaction to be hungry for that. Hungry for feedback, but the mistakes is we still get disappointed with ourselves because most oh, people sure. who are successful, high achievers, they don't like making the mistakes, but they can see past the, that there are benefits. So the first half of what you wrote, I sort of thought, do you hunger for <laughs> mistakes? And then for someone to call it out to your attention on a regular basis and you're wondering why everybody doesn't get that. And then I also wondered, you said as coaching opportunities, because I don't, correcting mistakes is not typically seen as a coaching opportunity. Coaching the word, the practice, the skill, the art of it itself is more about growth and development and less about correcting things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wondered about, have you really looked at what it is to be a coach? And 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 I guess I like Dave's answer in terms of finding the positive things. I also wondered if this is actually just performance problems disguised as coaching opportunities. Because if there's a performance problem and someone needs to have regular counseling and some sort of progressive discipline in order to be fair to them, to let them know you're not meeting the expectations, then that's not a coaching opportunity. It's not the same thing. That's a, that's right. a whole different thing to both protect yourself and your company legally to make sure you're doing the fair and ethical thing to let someone know there's a gap between the performance that's expected and the performance that's being delivered. And that is different to me than a coaching opportunity. So yes. And, uh, and my answer does go with the caveat. If you have someone that's truly not performing, then obviously you're not going to spend that 75% giving positive feedback 25. You want to be real intentional about documenting, doing the things you would do from an HR perspective. And I, I sense that it's a cultural thing though, more so. And so if you, if you do this, you maybe you start to create a different culture, at least how you manage. You may not change the culture of the organization, but at least how people interact with you as a manager, that that's something that works in your favor. When Dave was talking, I was thinking about I had a former, actually my first manager out of college. I still will never forget him. I respect and admire him so much. And he would kind of catch me off guard with the positive, like Dave's describing. I'll never forget. He, there's that candies in the States called Smarties. They're kind of sort of a sour sort of candy and a little wrapper. And he called me into his office once after I taught a class. And I, I would like to see you after the class. And it's kind of one of those, oh, oh no, am I in trouble or whatever? He said, I just wanted to give you this. And he gives me the little Smarties candies. Thank you for being so smart. Aww, and because I had, sweet. yeah, I had taught a class that I had never taught before. And it was sort of a last minute glitch that we were able to deliver a really quality class to the client and everything. But yeah, it does sound a bit, as Dave said, like perhaps the culture is conditioning people. And it's so easy to do that when I hear from you, it's going to be because I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of got to break that conditioning. If that's indeed what's happening, we got to get that 75, 25, maybe it's even higher than 75. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always, I'm always hearing the things I see in organizations of the clients we work with. This, this is so prevalent, Bonnie, that you hear, People say, I hear this from people all the time of like, I only see my manager when something's wrong. I only see the review, you know, the review when something's wrong. And so, uh, yeah. So, Sue, I hope we helped you. And if we didn't, then uh, let us know some more details and we'll uh, tackle it on a uh, future episode here and let us know. Uh, let us know if you try it and what you end up doing. Okay. So, the next question here is from Matt. This also came in 
by email. And uh, Matt says, hey, uh, Dave, I just started listening. Well, welcome to the community, Matt. Uh, He says, I really enjoy the podcast. Uh, And he says, I have a question. First, a quick background to help you set up the question. I work from three locations during the week, home two days a week while looking after my four-month-old daughter. Congratulations. My actual office location three days a week, and then in the field at various times during each of those five days. The bulk of my work revolves around emails and phone calls. And he says, my question is, is there an app, software, or program that could help me synchronize and possibly prioritize my emails and phone calls that I need to return? I bounce between my MacBook and my iPhone for work. Ideally, would also have an option to add a to-do list in the mix. Uh, says, thanks for the great advice. And oh, he says he used the conflict tips that we talked about last week already too, that same day. So good for you for uh, putting things in action. I always love hearing people put things in action right away. So yeah, thanks for the question, Matt. We actually have a lot of thoughts on this and a number of resources, but I think probably before we get into some of the tools, resources, because you asked about that, is maybe a couple of broad concepts around this. Um, First, I really like that you use the word prioritize because I think that that's key to this is what are you... How do you prioritize what you're doing? So many people look at time management, and this is one of my pet peeves, Bonnie, when I talk with people about time management, is it gets into a conversation a lot of times about what app are you using and what kind of to-do list are you using, and we kind of miss the broader concept, which is to prioritize and utilize and make decisions. So it's really about time economics, making decisions with scarce resources. And I knew you have some thoughts on just a practical way to do this effectively as far as how to organize tasks too. Yeah, Dave's going to talk about a number of tools, though none of them are going to solve your problem exactly, by the way, and we'll we'll share why that is. But it is less to me about the tool and more about how it's being used. I should share Dave and I, for example, use a different to-do app, and his is on the much more sophisticated end of things. He uses something called OmniFocus, which is really kind of the best of breed that thing has every every feature you could want kind of thing. And I use a little bit of a simpler one called Remember the Milk. And so we use different tools and, and we have different approaches too. But overall, one of the beliefs that we have is that we need to be able to look holistically at all the things that need our attention. Not just the things that need our attention because somebody else told us that it needs our attention, as in I got a phone call or I got an email. That's somebody else telling me this needs my attention but also things that I recognize need my attention because of a reflective practice has told me that. And so Dave and I are pretty disciplined about doing something called a weekly review, thinking about the big things in our life, the priorities, and doing that discipline of reflection. And out of that will come some things that we discover we need our attention that isn't because somebody else dictated it to us. Because if we just, and, and again, your question did not, indicate this is a challenge for you, but it certainly is a challenge for many people where we just start responding to emails, responding to phone calls, and not responding to the things inside of us that really create more of a deep significance in what it is that we do. So the first thing that I would say when I first read your email was there's a danger in having a separate app or tool that would prioritize and manage phone calls and emails because it would be separate and apart from some sort of a to-do app that would be more holistic, that included demands that other people had on my time and attention, as well as demands that I ought to have for myself through my own reflective practice. Yeah, and we are both big believers of having one list in one place. 
So if all the things that come to you on a daily basis, email, phone call of getting that into one place that you can prioritize effectively. And, and even though we both use different tools for that, of being able to then process that and prioritize that one list versus having multiple lists, multiple places. And the exception to that, that you'll typically read that Dave and I both follow is if it's something that takes less than two minutes to do, you just do it right then. Yeah. That's so, a David Allen getting things done thing. Yeah. So if I'm checking my, my voicemail and it's a quick phone call that I need to return and I know it's not going to be some 20 minute, 30 minute conversation. It's just a quick call into an office and order something. I do it right then. But most of the time, the phone calls and the emails are encompassing something that takes more than two two minutes, and they need it to be in that holistic to-do app. Yeah, exactly. And so some, some tools here, Matt. So let me start off, first of all, with what's free and already available to you, and then let's move into what are some other options you could use. So first of all, um, two resources. If you haven't listened to these two episodes before, um, uh, a couple months back, I did a show on seven online tools to help you do your best work couple of those are on around productivity, so check out episode 109. Also, uh, back in December, I had David Sparks on, who's an expert on processing email effectively. That's episode 119, so check those out for sure. Um, since you mentioned using a MacBook and an iPhone, this advice is going to be specific for you, um, you, Matt, and may not be specific for others, but there's two um, things that actually Apple includes in the uh, in the email app, which I've used many times, and one of them is flagging your email. So one of the things I'll often do, and I've talked on this show before, oftentimes I'll have at least one day a week that I'll be with Luke. Um, and so at the end of that day or at some point during the day, I'll, I'll usually try to check in on email. And a lot of times I have to kind of triage my email of like, okay, things have been collecting all day long and I have to figure out what's really important to get back to people first. So I'll just go through and I'll flag. I'll just click the flag button on my email app, either on the iPhone or the Mac. And and the nice thing about that, Mac, is it, Matt, is it syncs across all of your devices. So if you flag it one place, it shows up as a flag somewhere else. And then I'll just email those people first or return those calls first if it's if I'm running trying to process things pretty quickly. You can also use, uh, Apple has a VIP system on email. So if you use the Apple Mail app, you can set certain people as VIPs. So they'll get priority in your inbox. You'll see those messages faster. So that's another way to handle it. Um, But I think your bigger question is, okay, how do I maybe integrate this into a larger system where I have all my tasks in one place and I've got a task management system? And Bonnie mentioned that I do use a program called OmniFocus. And OmniFocus is just for the Apple platform. So it's only available for iPhones, iPads, Macintosh. Um, it is a fancy to-do system. The one thing you may like about that, Matt, is it also has context. So depending on where you are, it will give you different task lists. So you mentioned being in different locations. I don't know if you like to do different work in different locations, but you can actually change context with it depending on where you are in order to prioritize things. But the key is getting everything in the one place. And the nice thing about OmniFocus is you can actually email to it. So if you have something in your inbox and you want to create a task out of it, you just send that to your OmniFocus address and it puts it into your task management system. Um, And so that's a really good way to get things in there. If I have phone calls that come in and voicemail, there's not really a great way to automatically get a voicemail into your task management system. At least I'm not aware of one if there is. So I usually will just create a task for that in my task management list. And then I'll go in my list and I'll prioritize everything that needs to get done. 
Bonnie uses Remember the Milk, which is another... Um, you, I think you're underselling Remember the Milk, actually. It's pretty powerful. It does almost all the things OmniFocus does. And Remember the Milk is cross-platform. It's much less expensive. In fact, it's free unless you're on their premium service. It also does the same types of things. You can send emails to it. So if you've got emails in your inbox, you can create tasks out of that just by forwarding it. So you can process things really, really quickly. And you know both of those have ways to prioritize, flag things, um, and to be able to make decisions pretty quickly about how you're utilizing your time. And then as far as services, uh, if, you, if you don't find that either of those are enough, and and by the way, I don't use either of these two other devices that I'm going to, or services that I'm going to mention to you, because I'm, I'm kind of a believer of don't use it until you need it. So um, I haven't found the need to use it. I found that those options work well for me. But if you find that you need more than that, and you need more automation and filtering, there's an app for the iPhone called Mailbox which actually will defer your email. So if you, for example, get an email and you don't want to, you don't want to deal with that today, um, you can hit a button and it'll show up tomorrow in your inbox. So it kind of has a way of managing. You can do all kinds of different things with prioritizing. And it's, it's like running a task management system in your inbox. So if that's something that sounds appealing, you could check that out. Uh, it has great reviews. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And then the service that David Sparks talked about in episode 119 is called SaneBox. And that actually monitors your email, prioritizes filters for you. Um, you can do really cool things where if you reply to someone, you can um, cop blind carbon copy addresses and it can remind you a week later if you haven't heard back from that person. I mean, there's some really, really cool services that it, it allows for. It's at sanebox.com. By the way, all these things that Bonnie and I are mentioning today in the show, we're going to put all the links in the show notes. And those of you on the weekly update, you'll get links to all of those, of course, on Wednesday in the weekly update. So I think that is probably more than you ever wanted to know. <laughs> so I've run through a lot of things. Bonnie, anything else to add on that? Okay, so I think that uh, I think that tackles our question. Hey, Matt, um, hope that helps. If it doesn't, drop me a line. Let me know uh, what other questions you have, and we'll tackle it further. So the next question here is from Catherine, and I think I'll let uh, Bonnie. I'll let you tackle this one first. Uh, so Catherine asks. After accomplishing a large task, is it better to move on to a couple of smaller tasks instead of moving on to another large task immediately? What do you think about that? This is one of those things that is a lot more about you and about what your preferences are and what really works for you. I what I what I couldn't distinguish from your message is when you talk about a large task, you're talking about a project, for example, you're planning a event for a company. And it's got lots of little to-dos associated with it. So kind of tackling some of the little milestones that are on the way to delivering that event that you're planning. Or did you more mean tasks that take more time and effort or thinking power, that kind of thing. So David had a couple of thoughts. One is to be thinking about your energy levels throughout the day. And where are you, do you have your highest energy levels? Where do you, does your energy kind of tend to really decline. I know for me, it's that 3 p.m. time. I mean, you could just set your watch by it. So where do you have the higher energy where you want to be doing things that require creativity and critical thinking versus some of the tasks that are a little bit more monotonous? And by the way, a quick tip for people listening, if you've got that drowsy 3 p.m., which is common for a lot of people or really any downtime like that, boy, a five-minute walk mm, yeah, around outside, getting a little bit of vitamin D from the sun, quick five-minute walk, takes less time than it takes some people to use the restroom. I mean, you're back to bringing your energy levels a little bit up and drinking a nice eight ounce of water really, really does make a huge difference. So I'd be thinking about your energy levels and and to schedule tasks that require 
higher energy level to coincide with those. I'd also be thinking about your context. And by that, that's sort of a, a, Dave mentioned that with some of the to-do apps that when he was talking in the last question is, what is it that I need to accomplish this task? Do I need to be in front of a computer? Do I need to be at a phone? Do I need to what tools would I need in order to accomplish it? So if you have a job where you're moving around a lot and maybe you are doing going off site and have an appointment or something, and I always, if I'm going to be off site in an appointment, I like to schedule myself to get there early. So if I'm in the car 15 minutes in the parking lot, I've got 15 minutes, what would be a little thing I might accomplish in that little span of time that I have? Cause I got there early cause I like to allow for traffic, that sort of thing. So thinking about the contexts, that you would need to do a task was another thing that I thought of. I, I really like what you mentioned about the energy level thing and thinking about your natural patterns during the day. I used to think that stuff was kind of um, cheesy of thinking about like energy levels and people get up, oh, I need a walk. And um, and I've come to realize as I've started doing, like I noticed times that I'm down of getting up and actually doing something else and stopping trying to force myself to do something that isn't working at that time. And it makes a huge Huge difference, and the thing that I've found recently, Bonnie, that this—I I, I don't know—about six months ago, I really started to be intentional about getting up early in the morning, and I'm usually rolling about five, five fifteen, depending on the day, five thirty at the latest. And what you hear from all the time management gurus is like, okay, do the most important thing, the high level stuff first thing in the day, get that done, and that way at the end of the day, you know, you can handle kind of the less time intensive, you know memory intensive, brain intensive things like email or returning phone calls and stuff like that. And as much as I would love to not get on email in the morning first thing and do like some of those things early in the day, it does not work for me. My brain, I need time to get my brain going in the morning. I am not ready to do high level tasks at 515. I wish <laughs> I could roll out of bed and design content and be writing stuff and all that. And it just doesn't work. I don't, I don't speed up that fast. I like getting up that early, but my brain doesn't spin up that fast. And so what I've learned in the last few months is I actually get on email at 5.35, you know, 5.45 in the morning and I process email for an hour and that actually gets me going and gets me, you know, thinking and I, it's little tasks along the way and that kind of spins me up those smaller tasks. And then my best work hours are like between 10 and 2. So we'll, you know, 7 a.m. I'll break for breakfast while I'll have breakfast together and then I'll come back to work. And that's when I handle like the big stuff. The big thinking stuff is midday. I find that's when I do my best work and when I'm thinking critically and able to handle a lot of the more complex things. And so um, so I guess at the end of the day, Catherine, it's what works for you. I would try both. If you haven't tried both already, see where you get more efficiencies and more effectiveness and uh, and let us know what, uh, what happens. Okay, the last question is from Sandy. Sandy says, uh, what are the, this is not a time management thing uh, per se, but she asks, what are the top skills a department manager or small nonprofit CEO should look for when adding new staff? And I know Bonnie has some thoughts on this. So I'm going to let you tackle this one, Bonnie. One thing I would want to distinguish between is skills versus strengths. So whenever I have hired people, I'm always thinking about skills as something that could be trained. And so that's just a matter of the investment that the organization makes regularly and making sure people's skills are sharp. And that is one of the things that's so important for any organization to be doing is constantly having that learning flow throughout the organization because things are changing so fast. So skills are trainable. It's nice to have them, of course, have someone have those skills when they come in. But what I tend to reflect a little bit more on 
are what are called strengths. And strengths are the things that people naturally just inherently have. We have had a couple of episodes talking about strengths-based leadership in the past. So that would be, you could learn some more of the distinctions if you want to look at that. But I'm thinking a lot about strengths and wanting those inherent strengths to be different than me as a leader and to be different from other members of the team. So the common, common mistake that we all can make is to like people that are like us. I mean, Dave's a lot like me and I like him a lot. And so, and so, but we want to caution ourselves because our organizations and our teams won't be as effective as they can be if everybody has those same strengths that I have because there's going to be some strengths that are then missing from the puzzle that are critical. So I want to be thinking about not people that are just like me as the leader, and then also people that aren't like other members of the team. So those are some things that I think about. I also think a lot about ethics. And I'll tell you, (laughs) I can remember when I was in my master's program many moons ago, and took an ethics class. And there was a really simple quiz they had us take the first week and things like, do you take office supplies home from work? And do you ever take a longer lunch hour than you're supposed to? And I always thought that was funny because I was exempt from overtime. So, Mm. but these people were many times were hourly and they would sort of falsify how long they had been at lunch. These types of things are coming in late and didn't report that in their time card, that kind of thing. And I, I mean, I was flabbergasted at people who had just met each other saying, oh yeah, you better take off a supplies home. You know how much they pay me? They don't pay me anything. What else am I supposed to do? And I'm thinking, um, not steal from the company. And so just to, and that still stays with me today. I, there was a, another situation where someone was talking about that they were telling their workplace that they were going to be home with their husband who had had heart surgery and that the surgeon had said they needed the certain care or whatever. And it turned out, she says, oh, all those things were true. It was just three years ago. I just wanted to go celebrate my friend's birthday. And so wow. I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> lightning is going to strike you down, sisters. <laughs> I mean, just, I, I said, and she doesn't know me that well. This is just an acquaintance at a, mm. at a community center kind of thing. And I thought, so I'm still just profoundly struck at the questionable ethics of many people out there. And so that's another thing to kind of be thinking about in terms of hiring that's really, really important to me. And then I guess the last thing that was sort of a top of mind thing, although Dave and I commented we could have four or five, 10 episodes on this one oh, topic. But yeah, we could for sure. <laughs> There's a lot here, but just I personally, as a, as a leader, you mentioned being in a small nonprofit you know, or in a smaller department, that hunger to learn because back to the first point about skills, I don't want to be responsible for spoon feeding somebody else. You need to learn this. You need to learn this. But I have found it incredibly powerful to hire people who are just as hungry, if not more hungry than me, to just learn and continually grow. And so it requires a lot less management hands-on if somebody else is just naturally curious, naturally wants to know stuff. And if I've done my diligence as a leader thinking about the strengths that they have and whether or not they're a good fit for both the job as well as the other balancing out other people's inherent strengths, then if I combine that with that hunger to learn 
what a powerful, powerful thing that can be, especially when you're talking about a small number of people working in a nonprofit. So that can just be a wonderful thing. I love what you said. I have nothing to add (laughs) other than to reinforce that it is so common that people hire exactly the same person that they are, the same strengths, the same type of great abilities, and really leaders should be looking for the people who bring the strengths that they don't have. And so I love that. I love that uh, thought of looking at it through the lens of how to hire through strengths. My question for you this week after this conversation is what's one new practice you'll start with on your time management this week after listening to our thoughts on some of these questions might be something we talked about might be something else that sparked an idea for you in these questions that if you took action on would be of value to you. And if you are looking for the resources for this episode, a couple of ways to do that to reference the resources. The first and easiest way is just to go to coachingforleaders.com slash 125. That will get you to the show notes. And I've uh, spent a bunch of time putting together a list of and links with all of the things we mentioned as far as uh, tools, resources on a couple of those questions. So check that out. And of course, for those of you who get the weekly update each uh, week on email, you'll get that on Wednesday. So you can just wait for that in your inbox. And also, if you have a comment or question to add in or a comment on anything here, and particularly for those of you who may have additional thoughts or ideas uh, beyond what Bonnie and I have uh, thought of, please do add that in. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash 125 is a great way to do that. You'll see the discussion form at the bottom there. And if you have a future question for the next Q&A show, not sure when that's going to be yet, but uh, probably within the next month, uh, send it uh, send it my way. I'd love to include it. And it is going to be coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. I will have done some thinking by next episode what the topic of the Q&A show will be, but uh, but any questions, fair game. Uh, we uh, hit on a few questions that weren't specifically related to time management this time, and no, uh, no problem doing that on the next one too. Hey, a quick reminder, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but I'm active and the, the Coaching for Leaders community is active on all four of the major social media platforms, or at least they're the main four for me, <laughs> maybe not for you. Um, but you can connect uh, with the show on Facebook. You can connect with me personally on LinkedIn. I also am pretty active on Twitter and I do post uh, several times a week on Google+. So if, you are, uh, if you're liking one of those networks and we're not already connected, feel free to drop me a line or follow me or connect this week. And the best way to do that is just to go to coachingforleaders.com. And at the very top of the page there, you'll see all those uh, little buttons you're familiar with. You can just click on that and it'll take you right there. Or again, for those of you who get the weekly update on email, those will also be right at the top of the email. Hey, a huge thank you this week to Lisa Ward, Lucas Cowles, Jean Flanagan, Jenny Lynn Garner, Tim Harvey, Mark Renke, David Marcucci, Meg Fagan, Peter Greiner, Christopher Christie, Denzel Wong, Andrew Benton, Elena Yakovleva, Jonathan Cousins, Tim Dolan, Jane Olhoff, Anwar Syed, Kimberly Pepper, Gary Roney, Edgar Quinteros, Mohan 
Krishnapura, Scott Hamilton, Pam McGee, and Sean Gross. All of you subscribed to the weekly update this past week. Thank you so much. I do publish an email each Wednesday that'll give you a booster shot between the shows on how to lead better, communicate more effectively with some good advice for human relations, personal productivity. Plus, each week it contains the notes from this show, and particularly this show, there will be a lot of links and resources that'll be underneath the weekly article. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And as soon as you do, you'll also get instant access to my free overview on, and it's a downloadable guide on 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. And also a video that goes along with that. So a great way to start off your 2014 reading list. And thanks for everyone who's connected with me on Goodreads in the last couple of weeks too. I'm glad to be reading along with you and looking forward to lots of learning happening this year. So thank you for all of you who've connected and I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you over email as well. And a huge thank you this week to the person named TC in RI. I assume that means Rhode Island. I'm not sure who this is. So uh, thank you so much, TC, for the great review on iTunes. Uh, (laughs) You wrote a couple of paragraphs and just so kind what you pointed out about the show and the resources we have. Thank you. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for mentioning Bonnie as well and spelling her name right. I'm very impressed. Hey, if this show has been valuable to you, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to write a written review on iTunes or Stitcher, whichever directory you use, uh, if you use one of those, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher if you use that. And again, the question this week, one new practice you'll start with on your time management this week. Tell us at coachingforleaders.com slash 125. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you next week.